666 anonymous sources have reported to the Washington Post that Donald Trump is literally Satan. One of these sources was quoted as saying he hates children, old people, and small animals. That is, of course, when he isn't raping them. Another source was quoted as saying, Having showered with Donald Trump, I noticed that he likes to make a mohawk out of his hair with the shampoo. This is clearly a sign of white supremacy, as the lathered-up chunk of wadded-up hair is obviously representative of the Ku Klux Klan. Donald Trump was asked to comment on these anonymous sources, and he said the following. I don't know what to tell you, people. If I tell you I didn't do it, you're going to think I did it anyway. Whereas if I tell you I did it, suddenly I'm the most honest guy in the world, and you're going to believe every word I say. Maybe somebody should ask John Bolton. He seems to be the only one who's got any semblance of objectivity around here. But then again, he does want to bomb everything worth note. And he's absolutely correct. Anyway, obviously, 666 anonymous sources did not say that, although I wouldn't put it past them. And the Washington Post would run with it and think that you would buy it, because unfortunately, 50% of the population does. This country is falling apart, and it's not the infrastructure, it's not the racial relations, it's not the world's most inept kill squad, otherwise known as the police. It happens to be a complete and utter mental breakdown occurring on a mass scale. This is the type of stuff that the CIA in the 60s would have had circle jerks about. The mass corruption of minds by the American media is truly disturbing. And it's gotten me to the point to where as much faith as I have in America, I'm beginning to lose faith in Americans. I look at this upcoming election and I try to analyze it objectively. I really want to nail this one. I really want Trump to win, but I really want to get this prediction correct because it's one of the first ones I'm putting on record on the open air. That said, being right, while important, is not the most important thing in this case. As of right now, not going to lie, I think I'm leaning Biden. I think, unfortunately, as of right now, if the election were to occur today, which it is in many cases because people have mail-in ballots, I don't think Trump has built up enough momentum. That said, I'm more or less banking on the debates changing a lot of that. But until that time comes, as of right now, I think Joe Biden would win. And more importantly than Biden winning, why is Biden winning? It's not because he's the best candidate. He's not a good candidate. You can probably make the argument there hasn't been a worse presidential candidate in a long time, he is completely out of it. He's completely being puppeted, or puppeteered, I suppose, by the radical left. One day he's for fracking, the next day he's against fracking. We will talk about that, I think, a little later on in the program. But why are so many people in such a rush to go cast a ballot for a man who will likely, even according to polls, 60% of Americans don't believe he will make it through his first term? I believe it's 60% of likely voters, but nevertheless, either way, this guy is clearly not fit to have office, but they are so convinced that the man who's been in office and has done a fairly good job in four years, I have to remind people all the time, yes, I understand the country seems like it's in turmoil, because it is, but why? Is it because of Trump, or is it because of the reaction to Trump? 
the media has completely lost its mind. The Democrats have taken off the mask. They have exposed themselves as full-blown communists. Hollywood gets exposed and exposed more and more for its sexual predations, both on women and children, and yet the blue check marks seem as if their voice is more powerful than ever before. Why? Because our media. Our media tells you the orange man is bad and the blue check mark is good. They tell you that Joe Biden doesn't want to end fracking when he is literally said it numerous times, and we will play that clip later on. They will tell you, and in this case, they is the hill. They will tell you, in an article, Donald Trump speaks to North Carolinian crowd largely not wearing masks, while using a photo just below the headline that features a crowd of Trump supporters virtually all wearing masks. This is the world that we live in. And it's not necessarily the media's fault for being the media. It's the people's fault for believing them. Now, do they? That's the real question. And really, that's the question of this upcoming election. Is the nonstop propaganda campaign working? Or... Are the blue check marks and the, 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 the you know, soy boy Antifa crowd, the Black Lives Matter crowd, the Krasensteins of the world, are they the extraordinarily vocal minority? We all know, or at least we hope, some of us anyway, that there is a silent majority out there. But is the very vocal minority driving the narrative enough to where... Let's say some of the people in the middle are getting caught up in the mess. Our media is unbearable. The Democrats have nothing good to offer. And is Donald Trump perfect? Obviously not. Not even close. And I've said it once, and I will say it again. I really wish that there was a better person to represent the values that right-wingers, conservatives, libertarians, constitutionalists hold. But there isn't. Go back. Go back four years. Look at that Republican primary. Can you imagine any one of those people? Jeb Bush. Even my boy Ted Cruz. I like Ted Cruz. And I would vote for him if he ran again. Just not against Trump. John Kasich. All of these people. Carly Fiorina. Ben Carson. Can you imagine any of them not only beating Hillary Clinton, but withstanding everything that's been thrown at Donald Trump? And it could be said that not as much would be thrown at Donald Trump, because unlike Donald Trump, when the media attacked them, they, like George W. Bush, would just sit back and take it like a good boy or girl or whatever the fuck Carly Fiorina is supposed to be. In this case, Donald Trump fights back. And I think if you ask most Trump supporters, that's probably the general consensus as to why we support him, because the media is awful. And if you look at the polls, which is probably what gives me a little bit of hope, because these aren't political polls, these aren't um, you know anything geared towards an election. It's the type of poll where they ask approval ratings of the media, of the presidency, of you know whatever it is. That the whole it, yes, obviously they're slightly political, but at the end of the day, as much as people don't trust Donald Trump, there are two entities that they trust less: Congress and the media, and only. Two entities have lost even more support 
during this COVID era, according to some polls. And those entities are the airlines, for whatever reason. I feel like they're doing a fine job considering what they've been forced to work with. And number two, the media. People don't trust the media. Yet, we're led to believe that all of this anti-Trump media is somehow going to influence a majority of American voters to cast a ballot for Joe Biden. I hope it's not true. In my heart, I want to say it's not. My head is a bit more skeptical and a bit more cynical. Luckily, I've got some time before I need to make an official prediction as far as what's going to happen in 2020. But I can't tell you that I'm not concerned. I might even go as far as to say that I'm scared. Not because of what a Biden presidency would bring, although that is relatively terrifying. It's because of what a Biden presidency means about where we already are. And that scares me. Because I like America. And I have faith in America. I'd like, maybe, just maybe, for Americans to restore my faith in them. I'm Harrison Bergeron, and this is The Right Opinion. The following podcast is not meant for children, or for liberals, even though that's pretty much the same thing these days. But that's what we're here for. Somebody's got to keep these brats in line. Anyway, you've been warned. It's The Right Opinion. These days, our media's either incompetent or malevolent. They don't believe in heaven, but they acting like they haven't sent. Knowing the truth is way harder than telling it. We gotta work harder, gotta be more intelligent. Sometimes we just gotta grab a mic and start yelling shit. We're living in times when it's hard to stay relevant. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Boom. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry for the extraordinarily long intro, and I did not write down a word of that. I just was going. So there's going to be some ranting this week. There's probably going to be slightly less sourcing in the show notes this week than usual because I, man, here's what happened, right? So the whole controversy about the Trump military thing hits, I believe, last weekend. And I said to myself, self, let's wait this one out. Um, I applied the Bongino rule, and I waited 24 to 48 hours. And as that slowly fell apart, actually, it really wasn't all that slowly, and we'll get to Kaylee McEnany's complete and utter dissection of that entire narrative here in a minute. But I said to myself, there's going to be something else. What else could it be? And then we got the Woodward tapes, which was basically a conversation or a couple of conversations that occurred months ago that echo words that Trump has already said out loud multiple times. And for whatever reason, this was, of course, breaking news. We'll get into all of that nonsense in, in some detail, as a matter of fact, and I have some clips to provide for that. But I opened the show talking about the 666 anonymous sources that told the Washington Post that Donald Trump is literally Satan. And unfortunately, if that was printed tomorrow, you... I don't know, a good 20, 25% of Americans would believe it whole cloth without even thinking about it. I'm probably being generous. That number is probably higher. But anonymous sources, how many times do these things have to crash and burn? More importantly, how ridiculous is the left, right? So the story comes out, people immediately go, yeah, no way Donald Trump said anything about that. I will talk about some of his accomplishments in the way of supporting the military in a little bit. But 
the story is almost immediately kind of dismissed by most obviously right-wingers and I would say even a fair amount of independents, right? Only the Democrats and the liberals that really wanted to believe stuff like this would would buy into it. Not to mention, it's not exactly like the Democrats are the most friendly to the military. So who are they trying to win over? They're trying to win over the Republican voter that's not uber pro-Trump and they're trying to win them over to side. See, you know, you might like your tax cuts and your judges and your border security, but he hates the military. Now, obviously, this is not true. I mean, like the, the vast majority of accomplishments, I would say that Donald Trump has, have, have a lot to do with the military. First and foremost, the, 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 the veteran's choice, which gives VA patients the ability to go seek out doctors outside of the VA network, what is, is incredibly touted, highly touted, I should say, by members of the military. As a matter of fact, Trump made this claim, and I almost didn't believe it, I don't know why. He always ends up being right in some way, shape, or form. So it's 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 when a number jumps out at me, and I'm like, yeah, he might be stretching that one a little bit. The VA has all-time approval ratings. Like they, the the VA could not, the people in the VA could not be happier with what's going on in the VA, and a lot of that has to do with the Veterans Choice system that is in place. So now, not only can patients go see other doctors, but the doctors at the VA aren't as overwhelmed by the VA patients constantly looking for appointments. It's it's perfect for both ends of things. Not to mention, Donald Trump has given the military raises. I have a friend who's a, a contractor, uh, works works for the federal government, and he specifically told me I got a fairly decent pay raise, and that's in addition to the tax cuts, which, by the way, help everybody, including people in the military. And now, you've got all of these People are convinced for some strange reason Donald Trump is some sort of warmonger. Let's recap. He's had ample opportunity to start a war with North Korea if he wanted to. He had ample opportunity to really ramp things up in Syria, and he went the complete other way on both of those. He could have, you know, declared war on Iran. Instead, he just bombed the guy that was the problem, or at least one of them. He could have amped things up in Iraq. And I will say he has amped things up in Afghanistan in terms of dropping bombs. Now, for me, this actually, if you go back to listen to my interview with Robert Patrick Lewis, somebody who has a little bit of expertise in this particular field, by the way, military man, loves Trump, wouldn't believe, I'm sure for a second, that Trump ever said those words about him. I might have to get Robert uh, back on the show just to chat with him about stuff like this and maybe see how that third book is coming along, The Pact Book. Dot com. Check it out for my boy Robert. But um, Donald Trump could have started a bunch of wars, and he didn't. Let's put a pin in that, as a matter of fact, because we'll be coming back. Not only that, he pulled troops out of Syria. He's going to, this week, supposedly be pulling troops out of Iraq, and is also rumored to be making an announcement about pulling troops out of Afghanistan. Now, let me get back to Afghanistan, actually. He does drop a fair amount of bombs in Afghanistan. Why is that? Well, like I talked about with Robert Patrick Lewis when he was on the show, is... Trump wants to win the wars. I know it sounds like a odd concept for us Americans who are just used to starting wars and then just sort of n not finishing them, particularly those of us who have only been alive in the last 30 or 40 years. It, when do these wars ever end? I feel like every war that started since I was born is still going on right now. It's amazing how that ends up being the case. We have the strongest military in the world. We could win all of these wars in weeks. We have been there in some cases for decades. It is mind-boggling. Trump is 
you know, could he be doing more on that front? Yeah, absolutely. He could bring all the troops home tomorrow, and I would applaud him for doing so, and I couldn't give a rat's ass about what happens to those countries when we pull out of there. Sorry, I just don't. Our boys and women and girls, I guess, I don't want to call girls, our, our men and women in uniform, um, you know, they, they deserve to come home, and they have no reason being over there. We're over there protecting people who hate us, who don't care enough to really protect themselves. Yeah, some of them have some military, you know, they have some militaristic dictatorships that they're dealing with. A lot of those got into power from the people, basically, or they've just kind of bought their way up. And they're still in power, even though we're there trying to, mex you know, trying to slow things down. It's, it's just not a good situation for anybody. Maybe if things actually get really bad over there, we can go in and do it the right way. But until that time, I'm in favor of bringing all the troops home. I believe Donald Trump is as well, but... He's a guy who respects the military, so when the generals tell him we can't just pull out of Iraq, we tried that before, it didn't work so well, he has to believe them. He certainly doesn't have any expertise to counter it, so what do you want him to do? Very similar to how he handled coronavirus. He's not an epidemiologist. Do I love Fauci? No, but Fauci's the guy in that spot to listen to, and Trump has listened to him every single step of the way regardless of what the media tells you. Now, is that always a good thing? No, we've determined that the experts don't always know what the hell they're talking about. And we will get into that when we get into the Woodward uh, tapes with Trump here in a little bit. But how many times do these anonymous sources have to crash and burn? This actually brings me back to my point about the left being ridiculous. It was... It was immediately kind of dismissed at first by most logical people who have been paying attention to Donald Trump and his political career, but then it became real when a Fox News reporter, quote, confirmed it and said that she spoke to some of these anonymous sources and they said that Trump said that. That's not confirmation. That's confirmation that a witness that may very well be lying and for that matter isn't even putting their name to it could be lying to her as well. <laughs> I don't know why that's confirmation of anything. I fully believe four anonymous sources went to whatever, the uh, the Atlantic, I believe it was, and told them that Donald Trump said these things. I believe 100% that happened. What I don't believe is those four anonymous sources. You know why? Because they're anonymous sources. Now, anonymous sources are important at times. Don't get me wrong. They do a lot of good. But when we're just going to take every stupid little word from every anonymous source that comes from every Atlantic article or Washington Post article or whatever it may be, the, the Politico article, the Daily Beast, the, the Young Turks, whatever, whatever. It's all the same echo chamber of complete and utter insanity and nonsense. But anonymous sources making claims about things that happened during conversations that, by the way, multiple other people were present for and put their names to it, as Kaylee McEnany will actually present to you here in a second. But again, the anonymous sources thing has been going on for four or five years now. Anonymous source says Trump kicks puppies. Anonymous source says Trump clubs seals. Anonymous sources say Trump likes his steak well done, which unfortunately I think he does, and with ketchup. Uh, not my favorite thing about the president, but nevertheless. Here is Kaylee McEnany addressing this just, uh, you know what, she calls it fake news, I'll call it fake news. Better yet, you know what? I'm changing it. You're very fake news. Believe me. Here's Kaylee. Also, I want to address what is quite clearly fake news. The story in The Atlantic has been categorically debunked by eyewitnesses and contemporaneous documents. 
The Atlantic claims, quote, when President Trump canceled a visit to the Ain Marne American Cemetery near Paris in 2018, he blamed rain for the last-minute decision, according to The Atlantic, saying the helicopter couldn't fly and that Secret Service wouldn't drive him there. Neither claim was true, says The Atlantic. That has been debunked. Behind me, uh, you will see an email from one of the president's military aides that clearly reads, we are a bad weather call for today's lift. The Atlantic reporting is based on four cowardly anonymous sources who probably do not even exist. Meanwhile, within hours, 10 sources, 10, went on the record debunking these lies, eight with firsthand knowledge stating on the record one common truth that this story is false. It never happened. Adding to the eight that were previously counted, I'm bringing you two new ones. One is from Derek Lyons, staff, secret staff secretary and counselor to the president, who says this, I was with the president the morning after the scheduled visit. He was extremely disappointed that arrangements could not be made to get him to the site and that the trip had been canceled. I have worked for the president for his entire administration. One of my responsibilities is working with him on the many letters he signs to the families of our nation's fallen heroes. In all my time at the White House, Derek writes, I have never heard him utter a disparaging remark of any kind about our troops. He, he goes on in the letter my clip cut off there to say that uh, he believes Donald Trump holds our troops in the highest regard. Regardless of whether or not you believe this one particular testimony, there are now 10 people on the record, eight of which had firsthand knowledge, add the two more. So now we're at 12 total witnesses and 10 with firsthand knowledge, one of which is John freaking Bolton, of all people, who pretty, you know, unabashedly goes after Trump when he feels the need to. He wrote a whole fucking book about it, wouldn't testify in impeachment when it mattered and he needed to be under oath because <laughs> who knows? I mean, I don't want, I, you know what? John Bolton is actually in a certain way, kind of won a little bit of respect back from me because he could he could say, yeah, oh yeah, I heard Trump say racist stuff all the time, or I heard Trump say stuff about the military all the time. He chooses, he kind of picks and chooses. I don't know why he does that. Maybe it has something to do with the book and the fact that he could make money off of those particular claims. I, I don't know. But the fact that they have asked him in the past, is Donald Trump a racist? And he's like, no, I've never heard him say anything racist. And then they asked him this time, where you were on this trip. Did he say all these negative things? By the way, the things that he said about troops are clearly things that somebody who doesn't like Trump made up about what Trump would say. Uh, he, he calls, why are we going to visit all of these losers? They're losers. What about my hair? I don't want my hair to look bad in the rain. No, it had nothing to do with the fact that the military fucking told him we're not driving you over there because we don't drive the president distances of, uh, of, of certain length, which in this case, it would have been like a 90 minute car ride. They typically don't put the president in, in the beast or in the car for more, you know, I would say than probably an hour. Typically, he flies everywhere. He would have taken a helicopter, but because of the bad weather, he was unable to make it over to this particular World War I uh, funeral, I guess, a memorial site. I mean, are we just going to dismiss the fact that he's bolstered the military budget, he's provided VA choice, given raises to the military, kept us out of wars, as a matter of fact, before I get into the Woodward stuff here real quick, Donald Trump is the first American president in 39 years not to start a new war. Let me 
Let me repeat that. Donald Trump is the first American president in 39 years that managed to make it pretty much through an entire term without starting a new war. You know how I know that? I didn't read that on the Daily Caller. I didn't read that on the Daily Wire. I didn't hear that on the Dan Bongino show. I didn't hear it on watching Tim Pool. By the way, watch Tim Pool. I think it's Tim Cast IRL. He's he's actually a fairly fantastic journalist and breaks down everything in such a way where um, you can understand it, even if you're not particularly interested in it. He has... He used to be fairly objective. He has kind of gone full right, but I think that's because he's paying attention and he sees that the left has completely lost their minds. But you know where I heard that statistic about Donald Trump? I heard it when I was reading about how he was nominated for the Nobel motherfucking peace prize by a Norwegian parliamentarian who proclaims himself to not be a huge supporter of Donald Trump. Wow. So he was nominated for the Peace Prize because, obviously, his peace deal with Israel and the UAE, which is rumored to potentially be expanding into other areas of the Middle East, he may very well have brought some semblance of peace to the Middle East, something literally no one thought could ever be done, except for the people who don't believe that there's actual upheaval in the Middle East, which is a whole other story. Donald Trump, in addition to doing that, he actually recently, with, I assume, the help of Kushner and Pompeo, brokered a deal between Serbia and Kosovo, Uh, Two countries who have been fighting for as long as I've been alive, I believe. And now suddenly they're going to have some sort of economic cooperation. These, and, I mean, it wasn't this year, so I guess it wouldn't work for the Nobel Peace Prize cycle, but uh, his his work with Kim Jong-un and getting uh, North Korea and South Korea at least to the table to a certain extent, uh, his trade deal with China, you know, just talking them down from just bending us over on a regular basis. Now they just, you know, they give us a reach around once in a while. But he has done a lot to kind of go after some of these really hard problems that no one ever thought could be done. And he's had some success. I mean, have they been gangbuster successes across the board? No, not necessarily. But he's made progress in certain relationships, international relationships that, again, no one really thought could ever see progress or would ever progress. And he, you know, him, Kushner, Pompeo, and I'm sure a litany of other people in the mix have really done a lot of good in the world if you were paying attention, but you probably weren't because you'd have to be paying really close attention because the media doesn't talk about this stuff. You'd have to go out of your way to, to find out that Donald Trump has actually done an exceptional job with foreign policy. A lot of people think that the economy is kind of his big thing. I, I think he can hang his hat on our foreign policy, in addition to everything I just laid out, in addition to not starting new wars, and in addition to mending international relationships that seemed unmendable. Is that a word? We're going with it. I mean, the guy has gotten all of our NATO allies, or most of them, to start paying their own way. He pulled us out of the Paris Climate Accord, which was doing absolutely nothing and costing us like a billion dollars annually or whatever. Um, the TPP, he has you know, even gotten the UN in certain respects. Send a Nikki Haley, that freaking bulldog, to the UN, had did a lot of good there as well, calling out China, calling out uh, other countries. Even I believe she even called out Saudi Arabia for, at certain points, even though they are an ally of ours technically at the moment. Um, there, there's, there was a lot of stuff that Donald Trump's administration has done on the world stage that goes completely unnoticed because he's tweets or whatever. Look, I mean, 
Do I love the tweets always? No, I definitely don't. And I'm somebody who finds myself defending them, even though I often find them to be completely ridiculous. But because they are completely ridiculous, they are not to be taken seriously. And that's unfortunately what the left does. We'll, we'll talk about that, I guess, in a second here when we talk about the Woodward tapes. But there's a real simple solution if you don't like Donald Trump's tweets. Don't follow him. When the media starts talking about it, turn it off. Don't look at that Facebook post of, of somebody making a comment about a comment about a comment of Donald Trump's tweet. Just don't do it. You cannot do that. You can you can choose. And this is from somebody who literally gets his tweets via notification on my Twitter because I like to know what he's saying. But you cannot do that. You can you can just ignore it and just go, wow, my paycheck's fatter. Um, we've got a bunch of non-leftist activist judges on the benches across the country, 200 plus. We've got, um, like I said, a, an economy that is far better equipped to recover than some of our allies in Europe. And fortunately, we have the right guy at the helm to, in, in order to be able to do that in the case that he gets reelected, I suppose. But um, there's, there's a lot of obviously good things that have happened under the Trump administration, uh, not the least of which are some of these strides, uh, for, for, and you know, it's so weird too. Uh, I believe her name is Beverly Beatty. She's a, a, I believe a reverend of some sort, uh, very pro Trump. You see a lot of videos of her online. She's a black woman. She talks about Donald Trump doesn't need the black vote. And yet, despite the fact that everyone claims he's a racist and a white supremacist and a Nazi and hangs with them and loves them all and strokes them ever so gently when they ask, he has pushed the Republican Party to try to reach out to the black community. It all started with the what have you have to lose comment, and it has worked its way all the way up to the First Step Act, which largely uh, benefited people of color, particularly black people, the federally funded opportunity zones, which largely help minorities, particularly black people permanently funding historically black colleges and universities and increasing that funding in addition to making it permanent. Why didn't Barack Obama make funding for the historically black colleges and universities permanent? Serious question. I'm actually intrigued to find out why anyone, what anyone would, would you know, provide as far as an answer there. The great uniter, the great hope, you know, the, the first black president, the guy who just waltzed into the White House and they handed him a Nobel Peace Prize for doing absolutely nothing. But why didn't he think to do that? Seems sort of odd, doesn't it? I mean, the last I checked and the last I heard, he was and is black. So wouldn't he want to help historically black colleges and universities on a permanent basis? I guess not. I guess he just wanted to do it when he was in office. And, uh, and then fuck them, I guess, right? I mean, that's, that seems to be the way of it, as can be said for every president before him. But Trump has done a lot, and he's done a lot of good things for America. I know it's really hard to tell because of all the noise, but again, like I asked in the introduction, why? Why is that noise there? Is it because Trump is making it or because the media is making it? Trump's only one guy. You can ignore the press conferences. You can ignore the tweets and just live your life. The media, despite the fact that they hate him, never stops talking about him. And why are they so obsessed with him? Why is it we know every fucking intricate detail about the Donald Trump administration, and yet we seemingly know nothing about what was going on in the Obama administration? 
the many of the things that I list off on a regular basis that no one seems to care about or was widely underreported at the time. Fast and Furious, Benghazi, uh, the the God God a potential fucking proxy war in the Ukraine, the Russian the Iran deal rather that he was so gung ho about that he was allowing Hezbollah to sell drugs here in the United States. Project Cassandra, look it up. And that's just a few things. But those things never got media coverage. Uh, Fast and Furious did a little bit. And even that was sketchy as hell. His a DA need, or his, his AG needed to be put held in contempt in order to kind of shield Obama and the administration from some of the records that were out there that probably, obviously, were, were pretty damning because Eric Holder was willing to be held in contempt as, the, I believe, the first attorney general to ever be held in contempt because, after all, he was Obama's wingman. Anyway, from that fucking waste of space that once occupied the Oval Office to the the bad orange man, guys, he knew. He knew this virus was going to fucking kill everybody, and he apparently did nothing about it. I mean, that's what we're led to believe, right? We're, we're being led to believe is Donald Trump just didn't care. This is, a again, even if you don't like him, assume the worst possible motives. We have an eccentric, billionaire, egomaniacal germaphobe who, what, just figured like, oh, yeah, I'll just let the virus run rampant. Maybe maybe it'll kill more Democrats than Republicans. I'll be fine. I mean, technically, that may end up being true because of the, the governors in those particular states, oddly enough. But um, I don't I don't know that he's quite thinking that far ahead. I'm 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 a fan of the 4D chess on occasion, but I'm also willing to admit when it's just checkers and possibly drunk, sloppy, bad checkers at that. But what what was the end game? Well, all right. So, all right. So Donald Trump knew the virus was going to fucking murder everybody. He knew definitively. Why would he lie about it? Does he want to go down as the worst president in the history of ever who let like millions of people die from a virus that apparently could have easily been avoided? No one ever seems to start, you know, ask why. It. it I mean, they just immediately assumed to, he's an evil Nazi racist xenophobe, whatever, in their fucking Yale fucking chipperness. So the egomaniacal germaphobe just was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to let the China virus run all over the place, and I'm going to blame China, and no one's going to blame me, because I'm so unself-aware, I don't think the media will attack me, even if I do a good job, which is... Really, the point when I'm 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 at, I'm going to get to ultimately is that the media tells you everything this guy says is a lie. So did it really matter what he was saying? Because frankly, no matter what he said, they were going to take it out of context anyway. If he told you at the end of January when he banned travel, worth note, from China. If he came out and he was like, "This virus is going to spread. It's going to kill everybody. Run and hide in your basements for the next six months." Would anyone have believed him? Or would everyone have been like, ah, oh, this is it. This is his big martial law push. He's trying to he's trying to skew the election. He's going to try to avoid the primary so the Democrats don't have a candidate. And then he doesn't have to debate the candidate that he'll obviously get slaughtered by. <laughs> Funny how that worked out. But, I mean, they, they are assuming that Donald Trump has this. They, they think Donald Trump is playing 4D chess. As a matter of fact, to quote Ben Shapiro, they might think he's doing nine-dimensional underwater hungry, hungry hippos. Because they seem to think as they did with the Russian thing and the Ukraine thing and whatever. I mean, like, insert virtually any word and then thing, and there was probably something related to Donald Trump that the media has pushed in the last five years. But 
they seem to think he's just this evil mastermind. And at the same time, they think he's an oafish, inept buffoon who's incapable of spelling simple words, which is on occasion true. By the way, Mr. President, it is L-I-A-R. Being that you are called one so often, I'd imagine that you figure out how to spell it by now. But hey, we're not all perfect. As he certainly is not. Anyway, all right, Bob Woodward, let's get into it. We're going we're gonna to break this down chronologically. As I already mentioned to you, in late January, Donald Trump obviously was provided with some sort of intel about this virus and banned travel from China. One week later, the following conversation takes place between Donald Trump and, I guess, author Bob Woodward. Here they are. And so what was... Uh President Xi saying yesterday. Well, we were talking mostly about the uh, the virus, and I think he's going to have it in good shape. But you know, it's a very tricky situation. It's uh, indeed it goes it, it goes through air, Bob. That's always tougher than the touch. You know, the touch you don't have to touch things, right? But the air, you just breathe the air, and that's how it's uh, passed. And so that's a very tricky one. That's a very delicate one. Uh, it's also more deadly than your you know, your, even your strenuous flus. You know, people don't realize we lose 25,000, 30,000 people a year here. Who, who would ever think that, right? I know. It's, I mean, much it's pretty forgotten. amazing. And uh, then I say, well, is that the same thing? For, this is uh, more right. deadly. This is 5 per, you know, this is 5% versus 1% and less than 1%. You know, so this is deadly stuff. Yeah, all right. So that's February 7th. He apparently just got some intel. They were told it, it's airborne, even though the World Health Organization hadn't officially declared the virus to be airborne until July. Again, everyone wants him to listen to the experts, and I want him to listen to the experts. I certainly don't want Donald Trump, eccentric billionaire germaphobe, you know, playboy, or former playboy, I guess. I don't want him making de like gut decisions on American health. What I do want him to do is advise or take the advice of the experts, who they are. Unfortunately, none of us get to pick. But in this particular case, this is not the situation where Trump appointed some guy who didn't know what he was doing. Trump walked in and there was a guy already there. And he had been there since the fucking Reagan administration. And so it seemed like he probably knew what the fuck he was doing. And they decided to hang on to him. Did that end up being true 100% of the time? No. Did it end up being true 50% of the time? Probably closer to that number. But nevertheless, we're talking in February. Mind you, Trump has already banned travel from China, and he was called a fucking xenophobe for it. And the Democrats and the left and the media and the Hollywood blue check marks on Twitter, they are all pretending as if they knew. They knew at this same time, and that Trump knew at this same time, that it was definitely the end of the freaking world. Mind you, at this point, I don't believe we had any cases in the United States at all. And he had banned travel from China already. If we had cases, there were very few. Granted, and I will say this, testing was minimal at the time. So we could have had a lot more cases and probably did. We just didn't know. But he can only act on the data that he's getting. Almost more than a month later, he sent out a tweet, which actually came out right around the same time as this second Bob Woodward conversation that we're going to hear. We had 56 cases in the United States. What did you want him to do? Again, the media tells you everything this guy says is a lie. If he came out and he told you this is this is this this disease has got an R of uh, you know an R naught of ten, 
which would mean that like every person who got it would give it to 10 people, which would be catastrophic, even if it was, uh, you know, if it was as deadly as the coronavirus is, it would be catastrophic. The R is, I guess, from what I understand, it, it's it's coming down over time, but I don't know that we ever fully get a grasp on it. I think it's kind of a moving number at this point, but the uh, R not, I believe, is below two at this point. Uh, which is great. That's great news. That means every person who gets it is only giving it to two other people. When you get up into three, four, five, now you're at wide community spread. And frankly, that might not be the end of the world with this virus, because as long as you're not fat, old, or have some sort of immunity compromise, you know, this thing's just going to roll right over you. And now, congratulations, you're no longer a vector for this virus. Probably. We, I, we don't know that either. And that's part of the problem, is that to this day, September 10th, 2020, the science is still shifting on this every day. We don't know how transmissible it is. We don't know how deadly it is to regular people. We don't know whether or not the antibodies will last longer than a certain period of time. We don't know if there are long-term effects of this potential disease. We don't know the efficacy of masks. We don't know the long-term ramifications of lockdowns, excessive hand sanitizer use, and, and basically self-weakening your own immune system. We don't know, even on the non-medical fronts, the long-term ramifications in terms of the economy. We, getting back into the medical fronts, we don't know the long-term ramifications in terms of depressions, suicide, cancer diagnoses, cancer treatments, and a litany of other medical and mental conditions that are going untreated during all of this coronavirus chaos. In the end, the side effects, like the ripple effects, the secondary and tertiary effects of this virus may end up being actually more worse than the virus itself. It could be like an aftershock for an earthquake that's actually worse than the initial earthquake. Having said all of that, he was absorbing this information on February 7th, not from our experts necessarily. He's talking to Bob Woodward about a conversation he was having with Xi Jinping, otherwise known as the most evil motherfucker alive. Uh, I mean... Should he have taken him at his word? It sounds like he was, you know, he's kind of given him a benefit of the doubt, but you can almost, you can certainly tell he wasn't acting based on the information that G was giving him because he would have come out and been like, G said it's airborne, it's airborne. And then they're going to be like, you believe him, which is weird because when all the China virus uh, or the China numbers came in about the China virus, the media was touting, oh, look, China's already got this thing handled as if they were ever providing us with real numbers. So we believe China when it's convenient for us or when we need to film a Disney movie over there, right next to one of the internment camps. That's all good. We won't film Disney movies in Georgia because they care about babies, but we will shoot Disney films next to internment camps in communist dictatorships, and uh, that's all well and good. These are, these are the people. This is the ever-moving ball of the left, is that they have the moral high ground until they don't, and then they ignore it, and they pretend like it's something that happened a long time ago, even though it happened yesterday. In today's news cycle, they might be sort of right. But, all right, having said all that, I think I hammered home the point that the, the science was shifting, and still is, for that matter, seven months later. So should Trump have immediately, drastically acted when we had, like, less than—we had virtually no cases here in the United States when he's having this conversation with Bob Woodward? Should he have shut down the economy? Should he have closed schools? Should, well, what, what exactly should he have done? We didn't even really know what the virus did to people. We just knew that it was traveling around China and that we needed to shut down travel from China, which we did. Over the course of February, 
he developed some, there, there was some fact finding that was going on and they determined that obviously we need PPE because the previous administration left us with fucking none. And that's apparently Donald Trump's fault for some reason. Then they started picking up not only the mask production, but the ventilator production. He deregulated to allow private companies to develop tests and masks and ventilators and did so spectacularly and did so without using uh, the Defense Protect Production Act for the most part. There was a couple times he had to use it, but otherwise he was working with companies and saying like, look, shut down your thing, do this, make some masks, like we're all good. Otherwise I could make you, but I would prefer not to. Like we're, this is America, we're all in this together, help a brother out, make some fucking masks. And the my pillow guy did, and he's you know probably a Nazi, I guess. Uh, but so he he did everything that he needed to do over the course of February. In March, he is still, as you will hear, downplaying the severity of the virus. I believe he was still holding rallies at this point, as was Joe Biden, by the way. Actually, you know, before we get into the Bob Woodward thing, let's take a another step back into February real quick before I set the plate for the conversation that takes place in mid March. All of the Democrats today are telling you. Trump knew, and he didn't do anything. All of the Democrats in Congress were briefed on this information as well. It's not like Trump was the only one who had this information. And here are all of the Democrats around that same time telling you to not only live your lives, which is basically what Trump was telling you. He was just saying, like, don't panic, live your lives. These people are telling you to go out of your way to essentially put yourself at risk. Come to Chinatown. Come to this parade. Take the subway. Do this, that, and the other thing. Now, granted, again, granted, I'm stern but fair. Oh, or should I say I'm right but fair? In fairness, some people taking the subway as part of their everyday life. And New York City should have probably been hyper aware of the fact that not only do they have an extraordinarily you know, dense population that all live on top of one another and largely use mass transit, but they also happen to be like a, a, a huge hub so that anyone traveling if you're traveling there's a decent chance you're passing through new york at some point or another like if you're just to look at all the global travelers in the world lots of people traveling in to newark to uh, well newark's in jersey obviously but it's the third option when LaGuardia and jfk are too packed um some people will opt to, to fly into new jersey as well yet another reason why new jersey is hit just as hard if not slightly harder than new york we have a lot of commuters that go back and forth and they didn't close the bridges and the tunnels and rightfully so people got to fucking work so let's go back to February, right around the same time Trump's having this conversation with Bob Woodward uh, when he knows definitively that it's airborne and that it's deadly and, and it's going to fucking murder everybody. And uh, once, once he stopped, obviously, having a good chuckle about all of that, uh, he turned on the news and here's some samplings of what he might have heard from his Democrat counterparts. Take the subway, go out, enjoy life. And certainly not to miss the parade next Sunday. A parade. If you had to, would you close down the borders? No. No. <laughs> we need to be honest about the American people, with the American people about the fact that we can't keep people coming here from China. And transmission oh, is not that I'm easy. Sure I think did. there's been a misperception um, that coronavirus hangs in the air waiting to catch you. No, it takes direct person-to-person -person oh, contact. Really? We also know that if it were likely to be transmitted casually, we would be seeing a lot, a lot more, more cases. cases. Oh, right, right. Yes. Yes. This is New York, and you're in elevators exactly. and trains exactly. with, with everybody all the time. So, all right, so the moral of the story here is, was Trump 100% right and did everything perfectly? No, obviously that is not the case. I think he did everything to the best of his ability because he was, again, taking advice from the actual experts and doing what they were telling him to do. 
By the time he's having this conversation with Bob Woodward, he is already working with Fauci because Fauci was involved in the decision to ban the travel from China, which took place at least a week earlier. So, as much as Donald Trump didn't do anything perfectly, he may not have even done it right, for that matter. But the Democrats are pretending like they had all the answers. They didn't have the answers. Their answers were go out into fucking parades and go to Chinatown and take the subway and basically everything you know now not to do if you've been paying attention at all. So this notion that the Democrats had all the answers, or for that matter, that Joe Biden has all the answers. Joe Biden wants to institute a mask mandate fucking four months from now. I'm sorry, folks. If this thing is still around four months from now and they're still trying to get everyone to wear masks, I'm sure I'm not going to be the only one that's going to tell the government to fuck the fuck off. And I'm not wearing the stupid mask anymore. I'm certainly not going to be, you know, walking around with my kid on Halloween wearing a mask. I'm not going to be sitting at the fucking table at Thanksgiving wearing a mask. I'm not going to be unwrapping tree uh, presents under the tree at Christmas wearing a mask. No. I think we've all had enough of this. And if they so help us God try to force it upon us four months from now, making it 10 months, essentially, from when it all started. No, I don't think anyone's going to buy that line of shit. And for that matter, Joe Biden's masterful COVID plan is Donald Trump's COVID plan. He's going to step up the production of PPE and ventilators. He's going to try to bring American medical supplies back to America so that we don't have to rely on foreign countries, things that Trump has actually already done. Not to mention, Trump, like I said, kind of, kind of ignored the World Health Organization, which is, in retrospect, the move. The World Health Organization didn't tell us this, this disease was aerosolized until July. They told us not to ban travel. And they were still actively telling people not to ban travel until March. Well into March, too. It may have even been at the very end of March. So Trump was ahead of them, and it worked out for everybody. So the idea that, yes, he's about to tell you he downplayed the virus. But what does that really mean at the end of the day? Does it mean like he was just pretending it wasn't a thing? No, he was acting. By this point, we are now when he's uh, the conversation you're about to hear between him and Bob Woodward took place on March 19th, 2020. So we are at least six weeks into uh, the coronavirus scare, I guess. I don't know. It wasn't technically a pandemic, I don't believe, at that point, as you might hear in this clip. But he's talking about downplaying it. But I want you to pay attention to the very last thing he says, because that seems to be forgotten about in all of this. Here's Trump with Bob, March 19, 2020. Now it's turning out it's not just old people, Bob. Just today and, and yesterday, some startling facts came out. It's not just old, older yeah, exactly. young people to plenty of young people. Quick side note, it's not plenty of young people. Again, this is early science. This is the stuff is shifting. This is when the narrative began that it is really just affecting old people and people with immunity, uh, immunocompromised. And people were starting to go, oh, all right, well, then why the fuck am I locked in my house? Well, this was the given media narrative. And, you know, as much as I don't like to admit it, it sounds like Donald Trump fell for it. Hook, line, and sinker. This was around the time that the 17-year-old boy from Chicago died of coronavirus, and everyone was like, oh my god, my 17-year-old can die? Yeah, if your 17-year-old is 400 pounds, your 17-year-old is at risk of dying of coronavirus, like that kid did from Chicago. I don't mean to fat shame the dead, but in this case, I mean, it probably cost him his life to be fat, so would you rather be shamed or would you rather be alive? Hashtag fat shaming works. Anyway, so let's get back into Trump and Bob, March 19, 2020. So, uh, give me an, uh, 
a moment of talking to somebody, going through this with Fauci or somebody who kind of uh, it caused a pivot in your mind because it's clear just from what's in on the public record that you went through a pivot on this to, oh my God, the gravity is uh, almost inexplicable and unexplainable. Well, I think, Bob, really, to be honest with you... Sure, I want you to I be. wanted to... Uh, I wanted to always play it down. I still like playing it down. Yes, sir. Because I don't want to create a panic. He doesn't want to create a panic. You know what that's typically called? Good leadership. Literally name any other setting where you have a leader who's trying to reduce panic and instill hope and instill faith in the system and instill faith in the team, whatever it is, any other setting, that's legitimately one of the traits of good leadership is to not instill panic in your team, in your people, in whatever it end up ends up being. And again, his rhetoric is fairly irrelevant, being that literally every word he says is misconstrued by the media anyway. And again, if he came out in February, or even in March 19th, right around the time of not only this conversation, but the tweet that I mentioned before, where he mentioned that we only, we had less than 60 cases in the entire fucking country. Do you want him to run out there and go, oh my God, everything's on fire. Everyone hide in your basements like you're Joe Biden for the next four months. Would anyone have done that? Would anyone have believed him? And Or would the media have been like, that's it, Donald Trump, his, this is his big push for martial law, which weirdly enough, they fucking did anyway. Just can't make this stuff up. So he was trying to downplay the virus. Not that it's not severe, but he's trying to let people know that we have this under control, which, look, a lot of people died from this. I'm not going to pretend like everything was handled 100% perfectly, but no one anywhere in the world handled this perfectly because no one knew anything about this fucking virus okay it's not like it's not like there was a wealth of knowledge about what this virus did where it could go and even if you thought you knew something five minutes later that something changed and is still happening today so rhetorically he was downplaying the virus did he tell you at any point to ignore the CDC guidelines or to do anything other than what the experts are telling you. He literally fucking wheeled these experts up in front of you every single day right after you got out of work. I, I would listen to them on the ride home from work on certain days because thankfully terrestrial radio is still a thing and uh, doesn't require any data or data plans. And I was able to, to listen to these interviews uh, or these press conferences and Fauci, Burks. Redfield, like every expert that they had, he was pushing them up there saying, all right, you tell the people what's going on. He would talk and then they would correct him most of the time. And everyone would go, oh, Trump doesn't know anything. Good. He's not. I mean, yes, he's supposed to know something, but he's not an epidemiologist. Again, I don't want Donald Trump as much as I love him and have some faith that he is at least trying to do the right thing. I don't want him making gut decisions on the you know medicinal issues of 330 million people, potentially. I don't want that. I want him to listen to the experts. In hindsight, do I wish we had better experts? Yeah, I do. I really, really do. Actually, in hindsight, I feel like the only way to have stopped this is to go back in time and to just fucking nuke China. And that way we don't ever have to worry about their concentration camps or their shitty Disney movies or their fucking viruses ever again. Now, Trump told you, he wanted to, he didn't want to cause panic, which is essentially trying to instill hope. I heard somebody say this before. I think it was right around the beginning of April 
Let me know if this sentiment sounds familiar to you. But, you know, we lose more here potentially than you lose in world wars as a country. So there's nothing positive. There's nothing great about it. But I want to give people in this country hope. I think it's very important. It was going to be this severe when you were saying this was uncontrolled. I thought it could be. I knew everything. I knew it could be horrible, and I knew it could be maybe good. Don't forget, at that time, people didn't know that much about it. Even the experts, we were talking about it. We didn't know where it was going. We saw China, but that was it. Maybe it would have stopped at China. We wish we could have killed it in China. But it didn't happen. It started spreading to Europe. It started spreading here. It started spreading all over. But, and I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just saying that we have an incredible thing. I think the people, our professionals, our military, our governors, our politicians, I think they've done an incredible job. I mean, with few exceptions, I think they've done an incredible job. But I don't want to be a negative person. It'd be so much easier for me to come up and say, we have bad news. We're going to lose 220,000 people. And it's going to happen over the next few weeks. Now, that was back in April. It's September. The virus, I guess, started spreading here in January. We still haven't had 200,000 people die. So if he had come out at that time and said 200,000 people are going to die in the next couple of weeks, again, mass media hysteria. Can you imagine how much worse it would have been if Trump was actually the one telling you how bad everything was? Because then the media would tell you, oh, it's definitely not that bad. Trump, this is a power grab. It's definitely not that bad because Trump said it. So it can't possibly be true. And if we suddenly believe him now, then that means we have to start believing him about things he said in the past. And we're just not willing to do that. We're willing to let you die. Now, mind you, the experts, the models, uh, the, the model people and the freaking epidemiologists and all of the all of the, the, the people out there calculating how bad this thing could be. They told you 2.2 fucking million people were going to die here in the United States. So if they were to be believed, Donald Trump saved over two million lives as of right now. I mean, do the math. 200,000. 2.2 million. Which would you rather have? <laughs> I'll take the 200,000. I'll take the zero, but... That's not, uh, unfortunately, an option. And that's really what we're looking at here is a series of bad options. Which one is not as bad as the others? Trump Trump could have locked down everything at the end of January. And they would have been like, oh, he's trying to distract from his impeachment, which shouldn't have been happening. And maybe if it wasn't happening, we would have had a little bit more fucking time to focus on something that was real. But nevertheless, that is, uh, that is it. Trump wants to be a cheerleader. And in rhetoric, yes, he was downplaying the virus. If that's, that's the terminology you want to use because that's the terminology that he wants to use. Also, in that little clip that I just played for you there, he says, I knew everything. He clearly didn't know everything because they were, he, he then in the next sentence says, it could have been really good or it could have been really horrible or it could have been good even. Which is like, has, have, you ever, have you ever met like, a, like an epidemic that was good? Maybe wouldn't that be crazy? Like all of a sudden there was like an epidemic of like superpowers, like just spreads like wildfire. All of a sudden we're fucking X Men. That'd be cool. Hey China, develop one of those, please. That'd be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, again, the guy, his rhetoric, as always, is not nearly as important as his actions. And his actions have been in lockstep with the experts every single step of the way. There is not a Democrat alive today that would have been able to handle this better because they all made equally ridiculous claims about this virus over the course of time. And like I like I mentioned before, Trump, the, the ways that he's actually succeeded was ignoring some of the experts, in particular the World Health Organization. He was called a xenophobe for banning travel at the end of January. Can you imagine if the Democrat was in charge and they didn't ban travel then and they waited another, even a couple of weeks, 
They waited until mid-February. This thing is way, way worse here. But it wasn't because Trump banned the travel and took the hit because the media was always going to swing anyway. Anyway, a couple more stories I do want to talk to you about. And let's uh, and hopefully they're a little bit more uplifting because they involve um, legitimately senile and crazy people. Oh, wait, where, what have I been talking about up to this point? Uh, we're going to talk about Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi. Uh, which shall I go with first? I, you know what? I talked about it before. Joe Biden and his whole... I'm not, you know, I'm not stopping your freaking fracking or whatever it is. He, he he went into Pennsylvania and he kept saying, well, he's been saying his entire political career wants to end fossil fuels and wants to end fracking, or at least for the last several years of his political career. His political career spans centuries, so it's, it's kind of hard to keep track. But nevertheless, he has been fervent about saying, I want to ban fracking. There will be no new fracking. We will get rid of fossil fuels. And then he, he went into Pennsylvania and he bold-faced lied to the Pennsylvanians, and he said to them, look, I don't care what Donald Trump tells you. I am not banning fracking, which is really weird, because we don't need Donald Trump to tell us, we got you, Joe, and here he is. No more, no new fracking. We, we are, we are going to get rid of fossil fuels. Like, what about, say, stopping fracking and stopping yeah. Would there be any place for fossil fuels, including coal and fracking, in a Biden administration? No, it would be, we, would, we would work it out. We would make sure it's eliminated. I guarantee you, I guarantee you, we're going to end fossil fuel, and I am not going to cooperate. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. Ends. Number one. Three consecutive American presidents have enjoyed stints of explosive economic growth due to a boom in oil and natural gas production. As president, would you be willing to sacrifice some of that growth even knowing potentially that it could displace thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of blue-collar workers in the interest of transitioning to that greener economy? The answer is yes. Uh, in fairness, I think Joe gives the, the answer is yes answer to questions, even if he doesn't know if that is in fact the answer, because <laughs> like he's Joe Biden. But nevertheless, um, here's, the, here's the glorious thing about fracking is that a vast majority of our carbon emissions have been the, the I guess I should say the vast majority of the decrease in our carbon emissions over time here in the United States are due to fracking. So all of these clowns that tell you global warming, climate change, meh, 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 and then you say, oh, okay, well let's let's just we'll, we'll switch from drilling, we'll go to fracking, uh, or whatever whatever the old school way was of getting of of getting uh, natural gas, and now we'll we'll do we'll do the fracking thing instead. Oh yeah, no, we don't like that. Well, why don't you like it? Well, you know, like there's some, you know, could could cause earthquakes. There's some issues. Some environments are going to get harmed. Yeah, but we like are currently doing that. We're trying to do a less evasive. No, no, it's not good enough for us. Okay. How about nuclear? No, we can't put <laughs> nuclear. We can't put nuclear out there. All right, but there's like zero emissions on nuclear. No, no, we're not putting nuclear reactors everywhere. That's crazy. All right, what do you want to do? Windmills. All right. See, I can't have a conversation with these fucking people. They don't want to do fracking. They don't like nuke. They don't like nuclear power. But then they'll tell you the carbon emissions are the worst thing in the world, even though fracking itself has cut our carbon emissions. Carbon emissions that have been cut at a greater rate than any other country in the world over the last couple of years. Gee, I wonder why. And by the way, who is at the helm while this is happening? So the the super woke leftists who tell you everything's about race and the environment. Uh, they had their super woke president. 
in the office didn't long-term fund uh, historically black colleges and apparently wasn't a huge fan of fracking, despite the fact that it actually does the very thing that him and his all of his radical climate activists seem to think is the most important. It's hard. I, 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 you know what the problem is, is that these people don't have, and, and by these people, I mean most people, including a lot of Trump supporters, they don't have realistic expectations. Like, look, if I was the president, things would be very different. If I were king, things would be even more different. But we don't have kings. And the president isn't me, isn't you, and everything is not going to be exactly the way you'd like it to be all the time. That said, I mean, the drastic changes that everyone wants to make really require... They they require a, a, a substantial amount of people in Congress in the White House, on the Supreme Court, to all get on board with it. We are very far from that, and there is no president that is going to change a lot of those things. Lord willing, um, should Joe Biden end up being our president, that the that the Republicans have to keep the Senate, or this is going to be a real problem for everybody, because we've already seen that the Supreme Court's not going to stand in the way of the liberal lunacy, and God forbid the Democrats have both houses. They're going to reverse absolutely everything Trump did and take it a million steps farther. It will be every bit of the um, kind of kickback that I think a lot of non-Trump supporting right-wingers were worried about. And I had a lot of them warn me, well, what's going to come after Trump? I said, I don't care what comes after Trump because Trump's here now and he's not Hillary and he's not he's not another four years of Obama. You got to fight the battles that are in front of you. You got to worry about the long term. But in that moment, we needed our general and that general happened to be Donald Trump. And it's... Uh, it's scary to think that considering the lack of enthusiasm about Biden and really the lack of reasons to be enthusiastic about Biden, that he could be our president. And like I said at the top of the show, gun to my head, election held today, I think he will be. But the election is not today. Thank God. And hopefully things could change and he is still going to have to stand on the stage and debate with Donald Trump. And they're going to do everything they can to avoid that because they know. And that actually brings me back to the Pennsylvania point a little bit here. Why is Joe going all anti-fracking or anti-anti-fracking all of a sudden? Something tells me, and Pennsylvania is the one, he's the one state that's at, that's in play. I don't know why I call Pennsylvania a he. It is named after William Penn, so we'll go with it. It's the one state that's in play that I'm the probably the least confident that Trump will win. Um, of the states that are in play, by the way, I think it, we're, we're down to like six or seven. Florida, North Carolina, um, Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio, Pennsylvania, maybe maybe Wisconsin. I, I think Wisconsin and, uh, is another one that's probably more likely than Minnesota or Michigan. But Trump wants Minnesota for some reason. And if he can do a good enough job of reminding them of the whole, you know, your target's on fire all of a sudden because of a, a guy died in a way that absolutely no one thought was right, even though he was a total fucking scumbag up to that point in his life. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, just maybe. And he came very close to winning Minnesota anyway. I think he was within 40,000 votes. So if he can if he can get Minnesota, then he can lose North Carolina, right? Like that. that's sort of the trade-off I think he's looking for. He needs to win 
He needs to win most of those states, right? He needs to win Florida. He needs to win Ohio, in my opinion, unless he wins Pennsylvania, in which that cha- in which case that changes a lot of things. If he wins Florida and Pennsylvania, Joe Biden's path to the presidency is essentially non-existent. But um, he would he Biden would have to pick up like a, an outsider state and all of the other states that I just named, including North Carolina, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan. Yeah, like he would he would have to sweep everything but Florida. And I'm trying to do the math in my head, but it's it's difficult because I don't really have the rest of the numbers in front of me. But it, it would virtually eliminate Joe Biden as, as a possible president if Trump can win Pennsylvania and Florida. And I think there has there was actually a really good poll that came out recently. It says Trump actually lost um, Miami-Dade County in Florida to Hillary Clinton by 30 points. And he has basically cut that deficit in half when compared to Joe Biden. So he was down 30 in that particular county. He's down 15, I think, maybe even 13. I think he may have even picked up slightly more than half. So that's that's a big, no, maybe he only picked up 13 and he's down 17. Either way, he's about halfway. So he was down 30. He picked up like 50, 50% of the, of the potential votes, I guess, that were out there for him uh, in that particular county. And again, he lost that county by 30 points. So now he's got a little bit more wiggle room in the rest of the state. I really don't like to jinx it. But if if you had, again, gun to my head, even if the election took place tomorrow, Trump wins Florida. I don't think there's any real doubt about that unless there's fuckery. And as we all know, there's plenty of that to go around, particularly in Florida when it comes to presidential elections. But straight up legitimate vote, Trump wins Florida. Um, and there's no amount of... Democrat propaganda that's going to convince all the old people that Trump is now suddenly going to get rid of their Medicare um, after four years of saying, I'm not going to get rid of med- your Medicare, signing executive orders to make sure that people with pre-existing conditions are taken care of, and all of the other wonderful things that he has done uh, over the course of his time. Not to mention Florida. You got a lot of people that came from Cuba, came from Venezuela. They know what socialism is all about. They are not going to be voting for it a second time. So um, that helps Trump a lot. And, and as a matter of fact, that a lot of that ground that he made up in that particular poll was due to Hispanic voters. So he's lost some of the older, more moderate Republicans and even more moderate Democrats that may have voted for him the first time around, but he has gained a shit ton of support in the Hispanic community, particularly in South Florida, because of those Cuban immigrants and and, and Venezuelan immigrants and other, you know, Hispanics that have dealt with that sort of government in their uh, in their homeland. So it's a uh, it's it's looking good. I don't want I, mean, I don't want to jinx it again, but it's looking good in Florida, and that means Joe Biden and Kamala Harris need Pennsylvania, and so we're gonna back on the we're gonna go back on the the anti fracking thing. Now we are anti anti fracking in the same way that I am anti anti fascist, but uh, they are um, they are doing this ridiculous thing now where they're just gonna they're gonna just say whatever they want to say, and they know the media will back them one hundred percent. Like when Biden says, I'm not banning fracking, no matter how many times President Trump says, I'm banning fracking. Well, I just played a clip of you repeatedly saying, at one point, one of those clips, the longer version of the clip, he walks over to the girl and he's like, look in my eyes. We're going to get rid of fossil fuels. <laughs> it's like, what a, what a fucking sociopath you have to be to go that far with it, especially if you know you're just lying to people, which apparently he was, or maybe he wasn't. Either way, he's a fucking idiot. So that's the end of the Joe Biden segment, at least for now. 
I do have future episodes planned. Unfortunately, Spygate's like, poof, it's like gone. Like, I will try to circle back to it on weeks that I need content, but let's face it, that's not happening anytime soon. Uh, I will get back to it in more detail, hopefully, when the Durham report comes out, and it better be out in the next fucking month and a half, or we're we're never going to see it. I can tell you that right now. Uh, and we probably won't see it even if Trump wins, because why would we at that point? Like, I, I, you know, he didn't lock up Hillary. Why am I supposed to believe he's going to lock up Obama? So... That said, uh, let's move on to Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi was set up. We got her, guys. We got her. She's She was set up. She apparently got a haircut in California when she wasn't supposed to. This turned into a big deal. Frankly, I, I don't care. I don't care at all that Nancy Pelosi got a haircut. I wasn't even going to make a big deal about it until I heard Nancy Pelosi's comments on it. And, well, I'm pissed off now. Fuck you, Nancy. Here she is. I take responsibility for trusting uh, the word of a neighborhood salon that I've been to over the years many times. And that um, when they said, well, we're able to accommodate people one person at a time and that we can set up that time, I trusted that. As it turns out, it was a setup. So I take responsibility for falling for a setup. I think that they owe, uh, that this salon owes me an apology. Oh, okay. First and foremost, Nancy, they can cut hair for one person at a time. As a matter of fact, they can cut hair for multiple people at a time. You know who's stopping them? You and your fucking party, okay? And now you want to go sneak and get a haircut at the salon? Look, the thing that irritates me the most about Nancy Pelosi and the stuff that she does like this, and, and, and she's not alone, by the way, is that... They're so brazen about it. Nancy Pelosi can afford to pay somebody to show up at her house and cut her fucking hair. Instead, she wants to go to the salon, and then when she gets caught going to the salon, she wants to blame the good people that went out of their way to cut her hair because they so desperately needed something to do because they haven't had work to do for the last four or five months because of people like Nancy Pelosi. She had the audacity to tell them, oh, no, 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 you can't cut anyone else's hair. You got to cut my hair. Let them have buzz cuts or whatever it is. This is, this is, you know, Nancy Antoinette was a, it was a really good ad that the Trump campaign put together. Let them, let them eat non-chocolate ice cream or whatever it is. So, you know, she's, she's living the high life. She's better than you. And then when she gets caught, she blames the good people that did her a solid. And again, she could have just fucking paid somebody to go to her house and do this for her. She's worth millions of dollars. She's got a refrigerator that's worth more than my condo. Like she, it's probably that's not accurate for the record. Uh, but she she can afford to do that. Instead, she went out of her way to make sure that she was pampered, and for that matter, went seemingly went out of her way to make sure that this was public. When she didn't think that somebody was going to catch her walking into or out of this hair salon or that she wasn't going to get a haircut uh, and, and be noticed uh, and it wouldn't be noticeable when she got onto TV the next time, which was virtually every day this bitch is on TV for some reason. Never has a less photogenic human being been on television more than Nancy Pelosi and Donald Trump for that matter. I, he at least was like, I guess, decent looking at one point in his life. I mean, I don't know. It's not my bag, but neither here nor there. Nancy Pelosi had the audacity to do this and then tell the salon that she, the speaker of the house, arguably the second most powerful <laughs> legislator in the country, was duped by a salon owner because she didn't know the law in her own state 
and again, the second most powerful legislator in the country. It's absurd. And, and again, like I said, she's not alone. Andrew Cuomo caught walking his dog all throughout New York. No mask, no nothing. Don Lemon gets on to CNN and says openly that we need to start worrying about the riots because they're affecting Joe Biden's polls numbers. They just say it out loud. Don Lemon, the next night, I presume, went back to pretending he was an unbiased journalist. He has gone as far as to say that he does not believe he is a biased journalist, and yet he was talking about how we, meaning what, the media? No, the Democrats need to start talking about the riots because they're hurting, they're, they're showing in the polls. What does that mean? The polls were going up for Trump, so that means that if this particular instance requires some sort of reaction from them, it must not be a particularly good thing. So they're just openly saying, we want Donald Trump to lose, as if anyone had any doubt. That actually reminds me of uh, something unrelated, and then I think I want to get back to Nancy, and I think I got one last story after that, and then I'm sending you fine folks home. But the Oscars, the Academy, I should say, actually put out a new standard that films need to meet in order to be nominated for Best Picture, apparently. I, I think it's specifically Best Picture, but let's face it, these categories are probably something that you need to check off to be nominated for any Oscar, and these were probably categories that existed long before they were made public. So it's a bunch of woke nonsense, like you need to have a certain percentage of, uh, of your cast needs to be an underrepresented minority group in which they include women who are a majority, by definition. And, uh, and then, you know, people of color, LGBTQ, or physically disabled people, and you need to, and look, I'm not trying to poo-poo any of those people. If you can act, be in my movie. Like, that's that's where I'm at as far as how movies should go. It's, uh, it's almost like I'm a fan of merit over just judging you by the color of your skin or which sexual organ you find particularly attractive or how many wheels are on your wheelchair or whatever it is. Um, but at the end of the day, the Oscars have now finally said out loud what we've all known for years now, because I mean, look, think back at some of the big Oscar award winners the last couple of years, like Moonlight and, uh, the, 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 the movie where the woman fucks a fish and all of these like woke spectacles that are really not particularly good movies. The few of them that I did, well, I watched Parasite, awful movie, awful movie. It's, it's like a, it would be a good episode of like a long mini series or maybe a couple episodes, but I need some sort of, I need something more than just whatever the fuck that was. I thought it was going to be like this great movie. Everyone and their mother was talking about how awesome this movie was. Oh, all right. You know, I won't say it was a, it was a terrible movie, but it was well, well shy of the hype. How much I will say. There was some good acting in there. Other than that, I still don't really know what the story was. It's like these people are awful and then they, and spoiler alert, they end up being even more awful at the end and we're all supposed to applaud it for some weird reason. I, I don't know. Just because they're just because somebody is more awful than you doesn't make you good. I, I don't know. Neither here nor there. Um, so that movie sucked. But now the Oscars are just saying it out loud. They're like, you know what? Fuck it. You got to be a certain level of woke if you want to be nominated, which would exclude like a lot of recent winners too. Uh, like The Irishman was nominated, I believe. Joker was nominated. Uh, a lot of these types of movies were, will now have to come up with some roundabout way to prove their wokeness. And sure enough, the Academy gives everybody an out anyway, and they put in the guidelines, basically. If if you're doing a, war, a movie about World War One, for instance, like Dunkirk was, was out a few years ago, you're, you're not going to be able to 
um, you're not going to be able to have a certain number of people of color on in the film because everybody's fucking white. So there's roundabout ways that you can do this. You can have a certain percentage of the casting of the crew can be of an underrepresented minority, including the overrepresented majority of women. And, uh, and, and, uh, and also it, at a bare minimum, like the bare baseline that you can do is you can create like internships and apprenticeships programs and hire, obviously, people who are disaffected minorities, including women who, once again, are a majority. But, um, you know, at least they're saying it out loud. I'll actually give the Academy some credit on that front because, again, who didn't know this to begin with? But now it's out there. Now if you want to make a, a movie and be super woke and win an Oscar, you've got you to gotta really flex that woke muscle. And it will probably be more of a race to who can be the wokest rather than who can make the best movie. But once more, that's pretty much how it's been for a while now. Anyway, everyone wants to shit on the Marvel movies. And don't get me wrong, they're going to get woke. But they're still a lot better than Lady Fucks Fish or Priest Fucks Boy or whatever these movies are. Why are these movies these movies? I don't know, but I certainly don't know why they're winning awards. So let's get back into Nancy's setup. I mentioned the Marie, uh, the Nancy Antoinette ad. I advise you look it up. Maybe I'll drop uh, a link to it in the show notes, but I don't want to play it all right now. I really want to jump to Trump's reaction of Nancy Pelosi. We've had a lot of we've had a lot of melancholy Trump on this show today. It's time to get back into full form. Donald, take it away. <laughs> I don't think I would have turned her in. I would have said, well, you know, she's a customer. I got to take care of my customers, right? But she made them open. And the salon turned her in. And the salon did business with her. How much do they hate Nancy Pelosi? And then she made a terrible mistake. Because you want people that can't be set up. She said, I was set up. I was set up by the salon owner. I was set up. I said, tell me she didn't say that, please. So I just put out that if she was set up, then she shouldn't be leading the House of Representatives. I want the salon owner to lead the House of Representatives because she set up, think of it, she set up the Speaker of the House. That was a big mistake. As soon as I heard, she said, well, she set me up. Nancy, you're not supposed to get set up. You're representing our country. You know what she should have done, honestly? She should have said, I made a mistake. Sorry. And nobody would be talking about it. This is like the biggest story. This is the big crazy Nancy. Highly overrated person. Let me just say, she is a highly overrated person. They give her such good play. She is a highly overrated person. Look, they just turned off a camera because they don't want me saying that. They don't. They don't like when I say the truth. She's overrated. A very overrated person. Believe me. And she and she is. I mean, is he wrong? She's the most, probably one of the more overrated people. Like all the fucking liberals out there who who just, like, can't wait to wake up and digitally lick the taint of fucking Nancy Pelosi every morning. It's unfathomable. The, the anti-Maxine people and uh, and the and the Aunt Nancy, you know, yeah, Nancy, Nancy Pelosi will cut a bitch is a literal tweet that I saw out there at one point or another. The, the, the lionization of these complete buffoons and cowards, it's, it's, I know, I know, there's people out there going, but you're this big Trump guy, you think he's so great, yeah, <laughs> objectively is pretty fucking awesome, by comparison to these clowns especially, so, 
at the end of the day. Uh, Nancy Pelosi getting her haircut is unfortunately not the trough of society as uh, as it's been since the last time I spoke to you fine folks. I got an article to read and I don't want to read it because uh, now nah, I'm going to read it. Uh, <laughs> this is from MetroTimes.com. UM Dearborn, that's University of Michigan Dearborn, apologizes after it prompted a non-POC cafe so white people can talk about their white feelings. <laughs> we are back to full-scale Jim Crow insanity, folks. We All right, so there was a POC cafe, a cafe specifically designated for people of color. It sounds almost like some water fountains that I had heard about once. But now these people get their own cafe and by these people i literally mean people of color because they've been discriminated i guess not not even against discriminated for is that a thing it is now poc cafe at um dearborn and then because obviously white people were like well where am i supposed to drink coffee they're like okay we'll make a non-poc cafe so they essentially segregated the cafes there was a whites only cafe by pure definition of what non-poc means i uh, you know what? I'm not even going to get into the article. I just wanted to point out that this is a real thing that's happening out there. And we've had, you know, institutions, particularly universities that have done stuff like this in the past. I think it was Harvard a couple of years ago had an all black graduation ceremony. I believe the black students requested it. But at the same time, shouldn't they have been like, hmm, sounds a little weird <laughs> considering it's the year 2018 or whatever the hell it was. We, we get it. But no. We're not doing that because of how it looks, okay? <laughs> Blacks only graduation. Unless it's an all-black college, that sounds ridiculous. And frankly, all-black colleges sort of sound ridiculous. Like, I, 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 come on, man. Like, I thought everyone wanted to be equal and, and intermingle. Oh, no, we don't because as soon as you do something like, let's say, pick a hairstyle that is generally identified with a, another race or whatever it is. Now you're a racist for culturally appropriating, even though cultural appropriation isn't really a thing. Uh, Jamel Hill jumped on Adele earlier uh, in the week or maybe two weeks ago now at this point because Adele decided to get some sort of, I guess, African uh, hair cut hairstyle i don't know it didn't look great that much i will say but i wasn't particularly mad at adele for choosing that hairstyle because it's it comes from you know it's it's some sort of traditional african hairstyle like what what the fuck what, that mind you jamel hill while she's bitching about this has her twitter picture where she's got like this perfectly straight hair i mean i don't know a lot about black women's hair <laughs> but i feel like it's usually not straight and resembling that of a white woman's hair, which is oddly enough how Jamel Hill chose to wear her hair the day that she took her profile picture for Twitter. So she's freaking out about Adele culture. And again, look, I'm not defending white culture. I'm not trying to shield people from it. I'm not saying that you can't steal aspects of whatever white culture might be. I don't even know what that means. White people are so weirdly and widely diverse as as are every other group of people which is why it's stupid to just paint them with a broad brush but at the end of the day um yeah no like do you if you like wearing kimonos fucking wear kimonos you want to do you know you you want to do your hair in cornrows i mean it's not like my thing but do you man like uh, you're not hurting anybody until jamel hill tells everybody that you're apparently hurting everybody so we got you can't you can't appreciate other people's culture because then you're appropriating other people's culture you can't 
be decent you can't you know be desegregated because segregation is apparently a quality we're back to separate but equal college campuses you know what that actually answers the question that i met i brought about at the beginning why why is the media able to penetrate people's skulls and and burrow all of this nonsense between their ears well because they're aided and abetted by all of the parties I mentioned, the Democrat politicians and the blue check marks on Twitter and the journalists and everything. But they're getting these kids in their you know formative years. They're, they are grabbing these kids in, in high school and in college and cramming climate change and critical race theory and modern gender theory and all of this shit down your throat, just cramming it down. You can't second guess it. Why? Because then you'll fail your test. Because they're fucking testing you on this stuff. Donald Trump, thankfully, has um, has asked the Department of Education to look into certain schools' curriculums and determine whether or not they're teaching things like critical race theory or the 1619 Project or modern gender theory. And he's asking them to look into those schools and tell those schools to cut it out or they'll be defunded. I don't love the Department of Education. Frankly, I don't think it's entirely necessary. But if it exists and it has any purpose for existing, it is for things like this. When you have widespread misinformation being dispensed to our youths via school and then reinforced when they get into college and turn on the news, none of this is good. It leads to the type of widespread hysteria that we are dealing with in the country today. We have the most entitled, whiny, prosperous, safe population possibly in the history of ever, and they think that everything is so bad, they think they, they, they live in a fascist authoritarian dictatorship, they think that, that socialism is the answer to all of our problems. These schools have really screwed people up. Maybe it's because they're too busy planning, you know, segregated cafes and not focusing on the thing that they're there to do, which is educate, not indoctrinate. Anyway, I think I made it through all my stories this week. I'm very proud of myself. I'm going to give myself the old pat on the back because I didn't think I was going to get through this all in one sit down. But sure enough, I did. It was a pleasure talking to all of you as always. Do me a solid, folks. Hit me up on Twitter at RightOpinionPod. You can also find me on Parlor and Instagram, also at RightOpinionPod. Email the show, TheRightOpinionPod at gmail.com. Uh, I always tell you guys to do that. None of you ever do. We're getting close to the election. What I'd really, really like for people to do, and you could do it via email or you could do it via Twitter, whether you're left, right, middle, or alien, I don't particularly care. Give me all of your anti-Trump stuff. And if you're not anti-Trump, give me the stuff that you hear most often because I'd like to compile it all so that I can debunk it all in one show. Um, and I've done a fair amount of research on this, and so much of it I feel like I do in one-liners kind of throughout the course of the show, but I'd like to kind of really dive in and not only debunk them, but to prove that that certainly the Democrats, while they'll tell you they have all the answers as they did with COVID and racial injustice and uh, uh, Russian interference and whatever, name the problem. They've got all the answers and yet they seemingly never actually show up with an answer. Anyway, I, I'm trying to go out of the show and yet I'm going back into the content here. Follow me on social media. Follow this fine podcast. You can find me at the right opinion.podbean.com. 
and on ratsaladreview.com. Shoutouts to Wayne and the boys. Nate finally hit me up. We are going to debate. I believe we've shifted the topic, and Wayne is probably just hearing this for the first time now, so text me. I meant to text you. I'm sorry. I'm busy, and I'm a terrible person. Um, Wayne, we are going to debate. We're going to debate Black Lives Matter versus the police, I guess, in some... I don't know how that's a debate, but Nate's going to try to make the case for Black Lives Matter and Antifa, and I'm going to make the case for the police. Um... Again, I feel like I've said this a few times on the show, but if 18-year-old Harrison Bergeron knew that, you know, current modern day Harrison Bergeron is like on the air every day talking about how wonderful the police are, he would think that something very, very wrong had happened in the 15 years that led up to where I am today. But um, unfortunately, I guess nothing crazy really happened. It's just I got older and wiser and pay attention. So we will have a conversation or a debate or whatever you want to call it about that particular topic at some point on ratsaladreview.com. Check them out now, and that way, when it hits the feed, you will already be subscribed. And subscribe here at therightopinion.podbean.com and on hameenmediagroup.podbean.com, the auxiliary channel for Hacker Hameen.podbean.com. we got a lot of fun shows over there in addition to this one. I'm the only one covering politics over there. We've got some other pop culture-y kind of stuff and all the wrestling and the conspiracy theories are still over at hackerhameen.podbean.com. So check both of those platforms out. And I think I think that's everything. Oh, the merch store, link in the show notes. Check that out. Um, I'm pretty much not like keeping any of the funds for this. I probably will donate it to either the Republican Party or um, in, in some, well, probably not the Republican Party specifically, but a Republican or two that I like and or uh, a charity of my choice. So if you buy the shirts, like I'm not making a bunch of money on them. I think I make like three or four bucks a shirt and that's if I like sell a couple of them. So uh, any any money that comes in between now and the end of the year in all likelihood will be donated. And when I get money in, I'll tell you that I donated it, even if it's a couple bucks, um, just because I don't want to... I really don't want to like make tiny amounts of money on the show. I want to make a lot of money on the show one day, but uh, the couple drips and drabs here and there, yeah, they help obviously pay for some of the equipment and whatever the case may be. But um, because of the nature of my job, I'm really not supposed to have outside income. So, <laughs> so uh, the less I can make on this show, the better until somebody's willing to hand me a check for what I make currently. And uh, that's ways away. So uh, buy the shirts there. I'm not trying to get rich off of them. I'd, I'd honestly, the most enjoyment I would get is you sending me a picture of you wearing it. So uh, the merch store is in the show notes. Click on that, flip around a little bit. I'll probably come up with another shirt or two between now and the election. And if Joe Biden wins, I'm making a t-shirt that says, don't blame me, I'm vote- I voted for the orange guy. And uh, that will be uh, available almost right after the election, should Joe Biden win, God forbid. But, oh, actually, son of a bitch, um, tomorrow, or as of the date of this recording, tomorrow is 9-11. Um, never forget, obviously. Um, there's not a lot I really have to bring to the table on the subject. Obviously it's a, it's a day that changed the course of history. I think what I'd, what I'd probably want you guys to do is obviously if you lost anybody, think about them and there, and if you know anybody who was lost, think about their families, call them, you know, do something, reach out to somebody who you might've known. I'm from New Jersey. I got a few people here and there. Um, I was dating a girl at the time whose ex-boyfriend, I was like a freshman in high school, so ex-boyfriend is, is obviously you know not as serious as they might sound in another context. Uh, he was on the top floor of one of the towers, uh, not the ex-boyfriend, I'm sorry, but his father was. And his father was working in the building. He was on one of the top floors of, the, I believe, the South Tower. And he called his son at school 
to tell him I'm in the tower. I'm above where the plane hit. Everything's going to be fine. They're sending helicopters. That kid hung up the phone, and minutes later, that tower fell. I may have told that story on this network before, but it like every time I think of 9-11, I think of that kid. And I, as far as ex-boyfriends of current girlfriends go, I don't know that I've ever felt bad, felt worse for any of them. Uh, probably haven't felt worse for any human being I've never met before. I didn't even know the kid, but I knew she knew him, and she told me the story, and I, like, I... Man, because that could have been me. You know, like, I, I've got, got a daddy works in finance. He's not in New York regularly, but he could have been. And it was the first thing I did was call him. I was like, you're in New Jersey, right? He's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, good. From there, I pretty much knew everybody I knew was taken care of. But I sat there and watched as all of my friends called their parents. And, you know, one of, one of, one of the girls in my class, her mother was a security guard down near the World Trade Center. And she actually was late for work that day. And it saved her life. We've all heard stories like this, and it doesn't make, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a great story if you're that person, but it doesn't make the day any more uplifting because it was an awful, awful day, regardless of what actually happened. So in addition to reaching out to people that you know uh, and, and may have been affected by this, do some research. I'm not going to get into the conspiracy theories. I'm not going to get into, the, you know, all the other stuff, but... A lot of what we were told about what happened that day is simply not true. It's a, it's a little trick the media does that they have seemingly mastered at this point today, even though I seem to be able to see through it, and as do many of you. But there's, a, there's definitely some information out there that's worth looking into. I don't know how accurate it is. You guys know my, 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 my general policy on conspiracy theories is I want to hear all of them. I believe very few of them. And I don't necessarily know what did happen. I think that's the bad. I think that's where the conspiracy theorists get a bad name, is because so many of them claim that they know exactly what did happen, when it's very unlikely that that is the case. But I know definitively a lot of things that they tell us happened didn't happen or didn't happen that way. So I mean, over at hackerhameen.podbean.com, we've got a couple of conspiracy theory shows. They'll definitely be covering this this week, I'm sure. Check out Billy Ray Valentine on the Infinite Fringe. Check out the Conspiracy Horseman with the Ayatollah bin Hameen. Yallah! And, uh, and, you know, all the other boys over there. But those those guys will definitely, I'm sure, be at least touching on 9-11 this week. I'm not telling you to believe everything that they say. I'm not even telling you to, you know, to, to really even go that much, you know, I don't want you to like spend hours and weeks down rabbit holes like the rest of us have done over the course of time. Uh, I'm just saying that there's, at, if you if you do enough listening even, or just watching of YouTube videos, if there are any even available for you to watch at this point, you will start to realize that there's a lot of things that we were told about that day that didn't happen the way that they tell you happened. And there's people that are in places that weren't there. And there's buildings that weren't hit by planes and fell anyway weirdly enough i'm just saying i don't know what happened i don't know who's responsible i don't know why it was done patriot act seems like a fairly good guess though but i know that a lot of the things that happened that day did not happen the way that they tell us they happened i've been down to the memorial on 9-11 actually with the aforementioned billy ray valentine uh and we we kind of just walked around and heard some truth or at least what people are claiming is their truth and in a time where the liberals will talk about how their truth matters so much i asked the question why is it just their truth and what happened to the truth 
Are we ever going to find out? I don't know. That's why I don't do truth here. I do opinion. It just so happens to be the right opinion. And speaking of, this is the point in the program where I remind you that opinions, they are like assholes. Everybody's got one, but this asshole has the right opinion right here on the Right Opinion Podcast. I'm Harrison Bergeron, and I will talk to you next time. Peace. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Boom. Boom.